No Doubter Nation, we thank y'all so much for joining us again here. And this is going to be a very special episode because as y'all know, for the past several weeks, we have been really diving deep into college baseball as we were biding our time, uh, waiting for the Major League Baseball lockout to end. And that very thing has happened now. But we're going out on a bang with this episode. We're about to take just a little bit of a break here in terms of our focus with college baseball, shift that over to Major League Baseball very soon. That said, uh, we're going, like I said, we're going out with a bang here. We're going to bring you probably one of our uh, potentially best college baseball recaps we brought to this point now. Uh, it, conference play is about to begin for all college baseball teams. It already has uh, for a couple of major conferences within the sport uh, as of this past weekend. Uh, it's been a ton of fun following this game. Uh, we've really enjoyed championing it, and uh, we, we're going to continue to do so moving forward. Um, but, you know, we've uh, we've got some really fun content that we, we got to start pumping out real soon for Major League Baseball. Um, with that in mind, we cannot thank you all for joining us enough here. I'm Travis T-Bone Lawfully. The other side of my screen here, Barrett Boom Bostic, my co-host as always. Boom, how are you feeling this evening, sir? Feeling well. We, you know, college baseball is alive and well. It's the fun sport. You got the bat flips, the most epic of bat flips. Personalities. The personalities, the the disrespect. I'm referring, I'm of course referring to the horns down, heard around the world. (laughs) That happened last week. Texas State with the most epic of horns down. Spoiler alert Uh, for us in a midweekend. It can only happen in college baseball. College baseball where you have the amateurs and uh it is fun it's and we got a lot of action coming up this week we got some we got upsets to talk about we have some you have some breakaway stars but yeah another week college baseball we're gonna go out with a bang and we'll get right back into it once both seasons start but yeah i'm looking forward to it awesome man well we're going to start with our conference yes the big 12 conference the conference of one true champion, or is that really even true? Like, has the Big Twelve <laughs> even really lived up to that moniker, or do they just find <laughs> do they just find ways to, to screw things up from a PR perspective and create confusion and yes. whatnot there? But anyways, <laughs> we digress here. It is the Big Twelve conference we're starting off with on tonight's episode here, and so we start out with now, no longer, and we are recording this episode here as well on. Tuesday, March 15th. So uh, the, uh, the the new rankings uh, for college baseball always come out on Mondays. So we, we recorded this episode just a couple of days later because we were squeezing in another episode uh, two nights ago on Sunday night. Um, so bringing you this episode here with a new fresh set of rankings coming out. We use D1 Baseball's uh, rankings here and recording this show. And the Texas Longhorns are no longer the number one team in the land. That's right. The, the <laughs> Ole Miss Rebels have now taken that spot. And we will explain <laughs> why down the 40 acres the uh, the, the guard has changed uh, in terms of who's carrying <laughs> the uh, number one spot right now in college baseball because things got interesting for the Longhorns over the past week and there's some potential long-term implications for Ooh. where this team might be going moving forward here. So ultimately, the Longhorns split a home-and-home home series with Texas State, the Bobcats down in San Marcos, uh, they had a uh, had an opening game on uh, on Tuesday night down in San Marcos, and then Wednesday night they uh, they brought the uh, the series back uh, back to UFCU Dishfalk Field in Austin, 
And that series was split. They got the uh, nine to eight opening win on Tuesday. However, at the dish Wednesday night, it was an yes. upset on the 40 acres. Well, I guess technically across the street from the 40 acres because I don't think the stadium is right exactly on the campus. Either way, uh, <laughs> yes, an upset nonetheless because the Bobcats took home a 6-4 to four win in that game. So the Longhorns drop game two of that midweek series. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, Texas State threw out their uh, – their, um, throughout like one of their weekend starters, if not possibly like their ace on the mound for that Wednesday game, because they were really like determined to go and get yes. the win here like that. Uh, and I mean, it was a, I and mean, this is a Bobcats program, you know, is coming off that it looks like one of the strongest, one, one of the stronger mid-major programs and a rising power among mid-majors this year. Uh, they went into Tucson, Arizona last week, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before and got that, uh, series win on the road against the Wildcats. Uh, and you know, they're coming back just with a whole bunch of momentum that builds a ton of RPI for them. Strength of schedule. I mean, this is a team right now that, you know, is not just they're not just looking at regionals. They're looking at hosting regionals. They're, they're looking at hosting. They're looking at, Hey, like in a crazy world, can we keep, can we keep this, uh, this high RPI up and even maybe be a national seed who they're knows, going for but it, like man. they've got, they, they have, they have ambition in their eyes right now. They oh, have their yeah. sights set on greater things than they may have even thought just about a month ago. And so, uh, you know, it just, but still, Hey, not, not horrible. You're, you, you didn't lose to a bad club if you're the Longhorns, but they then have to go on the road to Columbia, South Carolina to take on uh, a, a series against the South Carolina Gamecocks. They won that series opener at South Carolina 9-5, to but the Gamecocks came back with a doubleheader on Sunday and won both those games 4-2 to and 9-4. to uh, a big, a big story here for the the Longhorns now in terms of what Man. I mentioned a couple seconds ago. Long term implications for this team. Sunday starter, starting pitcher that is Tanner Witt is unfortunately out for the remainder of the year with an Ooh. injury, and he's going to undergo Tommy John surgery. <sighs> um, yeah, and so, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, uh, the 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 dreaded uh, <laughs> the dreaded. Uh, three words that uh, you just don't want to hear as a fan, as a pitcher, you don't want to hear just like, unfortunately, unfortunately a growing problem within the sport of baseball here. So unfortunately, Mr. Witt, his season has come to an end here. Uh, Lucas Gordon <sighs> took the, uh, took the mound his place on Sunday. Uh, he only got four innings of work there. So not a good start for Mr. Gordon. They're going to be looking for more out of him moving forward. I imagine David Pierce is probably going to be taking a strong look uh, at his arms, uh, at the experience of his guys and seeing, hey, is there even somebody that's uh, in the bullpen right now that could come out and possibly be a starter, looking at what's going on midweek right now, but maybe making more radical changes beyond that. But um, yeah, certainly some adversity for uh, for the Longhorns right now. Not time to panic, but just something to be aware of here. We have to give a shout out ultimately though to first baseman Ivan Melendez, the Hispanic Titanic. Uh he was the Big That's 12 right. player of the week for uh <laughs> for uh for for the Big 12 and obviously representing his Texas Longhorns and in five games over that uh that past week he hit 
a 450 with a 450 batting average and he had four home runs and 11 runs batted in and he had a home run on Sunday that I believe it traveled like 493 feet or something like he was like the 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 outer wall where he hit over was 380 feet and so it was just like like some say that ball is still traveling to this day it's uh, it was just a monster home run that Mr. Melendez hit and uh yeah so he he lives up to his namesake there, and he he was living up to the spirit of no doubter, batting more than 400 and swinging for the fences this past week. So well done for, for, from a couple of Red Raiders here. I just I, I can't help but be impressed with this guy. Well yes. done, Mr. Melendez. You've uh, you've you've worn the uh, the no doubter badge with pride, and you yes. certainly deserve that Big Twelve Player of the Week. Though there maybe maybe Cheers. Brandon Birdsell uh, possibly deserved it more, but uh, who, <laughs> who knows? Oklahoma State moving on to the Cowboys. They took care of business midweek with a five to one win at home over Missouri State and the Bears. They were supposed to play their series against BYU up in Provo this past weekend. However, a uh, pretty large winter storm was rolling through, uh, through the Western U S at that period of time. So, uh, and just some pretty bitter cold up there as well. So the series got moved down to globe life field in Arlington. One of the many, uh, Oklahoma has series like a couple of weeks ago because of the cold, uh, up in Norman that got moved down there as well. Just globe life fields kind of, uh, presumably has been, uh, <laughs> taking advantage of the, uh, of you know like making up from some of the the lost revenue with the uh the delayed start to uh, yeah, there you uh go. to the season there and like or even even so season's not really all that delayed with major league baseball at this point now but just still just being proactive and uh mm-hmm. and showing off uh what they've done there around the texas live complex and the new global life field uh facilities there so they brought that series down to uh to arlington over the weekend um uh, the, the Pokes went two and one on this series, so they won it. Uh, the opening game was an eight to six loss. However, uh, they came back with three and nothing and eight to five victories. Justin Campbell, their ace in game two, had another strong outing on the mound. He struck out 12 Cougar hitters and only walked two and only allowed just six, uh, just two hits. He had six shutout innings total. So well done, Mr. Campbell. Pokes offense started to also open things up a bit more in uh, in the rubber match. Um, and Ken Trinkle had two hits and two RBIs, and Chase Atkinson also scored a couple of runs. Uh, Oklahoma State has just been interesting to look at so far this year that they've been a very Jekyll and Hyde kind of team. There are like parts mm-hmm. of their offense that really just seem to work well uh, at a certain period of time, and the pitching just quite isn't quite there. Or the pitching is really strong but they're just striking out like crazy. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, the thing is they're just, there is still, you know, we talked about them in our big 12 preview. There is still so much talent on this team. There's very high expectations with them. The, this team has everything on paper. you look at it and think, okay, this can be an Omaha ball club mm-hmm. um, there. It's just a matter of getting things together here and getting some more, more consistency. Uh, but, you know, the, traditionally uh, this pokes program under Josh, Josh holiday, their head coach, once they get to Big 12 play, they're going to be they're, they're usually going to get things together. I think this still this team very much has uh, has the ability to uh, put together um, a national seed hosting resume for uh, for the postseason and then ultimately take that on a run to Omaha. So um, I, I still I'm still feeling pretty good about the Pokes here when, uh, when we're looking at them and what they can do in the Big 12. Texas Tech, you know 
The Parker Kelly show was not just a thing versus Merrimack last week. After the midweek series versus Mississippi State, uh, in a total of uh, of five games in like five days, I believe it was, maybe even six games in five days, uh, Parker Kelly had racked up. Yeah, it was it was three grand slams and five home runs in five days that he had had after that, that midweek series uh, against Mississippi State down in Biloxi. Uh, and then Kelly also had a really good showing on Saturday's game against uh, against Rice right at the end there, putting them up uh, three to two right at the end um, with an RBI double. Um, so, yeah, as a whole for Texas Tech, uh, it was a split in, uh, in Biloxi at MGM Park there. Um, really, I mean, ultimately, you, it's not – it's a neutral side on paper, but that's not when you're playing anywhere in Mississippi around that part there, it's not a neutral side. Like it was, uh, the stands were full of maroon, a, f- a little bit of uh, red and black scattered in there. Um, but uh, so they dropped that first game 11 to five, come back in the second game of that midweek series, and the Red Raiders uh, did get a seven to two dub to close it out. And then they traveled, they hopped on a plane and uh, and got back here to the great state of Texas, but uh, spent the weekend in Houston playing at Rice. They went 3-0 and on the weekend with 10-1, 3-2, and 7-4 wins. Uh, really, the beyond Parker Kelly, the story for Tech this weekend was Brandon Birdsell. He had a, he's had a heck of a first month uh, of the season so far. Um, he was a... He was an 11th round pick in last year's draft. Uh, I, a lot of people did not expect him ultimately to uh, return back to Tech. You know, we lost lost Birdsell early early last year uh, to injury, um, and his just career at this point has had issues of always putting together like it's like stuff where the eye test meets the numbers. Where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's he can put up great numbers, but it's like it takes a it takes a while for him to get there, just in terms of like really uh, with high pitch counts and everything. But this was an incredible, uh, incredible Saturday start for uh, for Tex Ace, Mister Birdsell. He had 15 strikeouts, no walks, six no hit innings, and a fastball that was getting up to about 98 miles an hour. Dang. Have yourself a day like that is <laughs> that's the type of stuff that like that that will get your that'll get the scouts attention really quick. And oh, that's the yeah. type of thing that'll start moving you up, uh, moving you up big boards as well for, uh, uh, as a prospect, once the draft comes around. And then final ranked team here in the big 12, uh, just touching on briefly real quick TCU. They dropped a midweek game at Louisville nine to eight. However, they did come back with a three to nothing, uh, series sweep of army black Knights of West point. At Lupton Stadium out in Fort Worth, sit, those were 6-4, 6-5, and 5-2 um, victories. TCU also say kind of it's kind of a similarly built uh, team to, uh, to to Oklahoma State and has also kind of had a bit of that Jekyll and Hyde-ish um, kind of uh, identity as well to this point. Um, but I think these are, these are the four. The, the, the Big 12 is just so incredibly de- deep, but these are the four teams that are cut above the rest, and I believe – that the uh, the the loss of um, the loss of Tanner Witt on Sunday for uh, for Sunday starts for Texas that really opens up the Big Twelve I think a bit more I think Texas still ultimately comes out as regular season conference champions 
but I think it's going to, this is truly going to make between Oklahoma state, Texas tech and what TCU does with the rest of the conference. It's going to come down to that final weekend for, mm-hmm. uh, for it for to sure. ultimately be worked out who the, uh, um, who the champion is. Uh, however, I give still give a slight edge to the Longhorns. Touching briefly on the non-ranked teams, Baylor, they earned a 6-4 to four midweek win over Abilene Christian, and then they hosted uh, Columbia University and uh, got a 2-1 to one series win in that one, opened up with a 3-0 win, 11-4 loss, and then a 4-3 win. Kansas, they swept a midweek series in Charleston Southern, 7-5 and 13-1. They played in the first pitch invitational in Greenville, South Carolina this weekend, opened up Friday night with a 6-3 loss to Western Carolina. Uh, there was a, it wasn't just the West coast. It was dealing with uh, some very cold winter weather and winter storms. Those were really moving across the country, including across the Southeast. So Saturday's matchup against Cincinnati was canceled as it was quite cold in that part of the country. However, they did uh, get a Sunday win against Michigan state 13 to seven in that finale game, Kansas state, the cats are starting to get some things done after a slow start, but there is still a lot of work to be done. With this program that is in rebuilding mode right now under Pete Hughes, they got a 6-4 to four midweek victory over Nebraska. They had a 6-3 to three series opening win against Central Connecticut State, and then they swept a Sunday uh, doubleheader against uh, against the same opponent, 5-3 to three and 5-2. to two. Oklahoma, they earned a midweek 8-7 victory over the DBU Patriots, hosting Dallas Baptist and Norman. They had a, then they then had a 3-0, to 3 and nothing home series versus UTSA. Uh, it was a serious sweep, 10 to five, eight to three, nine to five. So things are, things are going in the right direction again for the Sooners after a tough previous weekend in Houston at the Shriners classic West Virginia, Randy Macy's squad just keeps outperforming expectations. They had a midweek five to four victory over Ryder. They play a three game. They were supposed to play a three game series originally against Ohio state and Morgantown. Uh, the, Sunday rubber match was ultimately canceled. So that turned into just a one-to-one series split. The the Mountaineers dropping first game 10 to four, but coming back with a walk-off hit in game two to get a seven to six victory over the Buckeyes. So that's what we got for the Big 12 this week, folks. I'm going to turn it over to Boom here to talk about the conference where it just means more. The, the the evil empire that is the SEC, the Southeastern Conference. Boom, take it away. Uh, thank you very much, man. Thanks for the Big 12 wrap-up. I'm now going to take it over for the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, the evil, the evil overlords, uh, the conference that has fooled themselves in seemingly every sport. And in college baseball, it is no exception. We had the same players around here, but there's been some a little shuffling in the top 25 with the Ole Miss Rebels taking the number one spot in the league for the first time this season dethroning the texas longhorns why are they the number one team well it's because they're 13 and 2 you know that would probably help out um they experienced their second loss on sunday to oral roberts but not before beating up on them 16 to 2 and 6 to 2 on friday and saturday they also beat up on alcorn state 16 to 1 let's dissect this team because really this team is the complete package yeah. You have Taiwan Malone, the person who also plays for the defensive end for their football team, is also he's he's hacking away at it and batting six hundred 
You heard that, ladies and gentlemen. Taiwan Malone, 600. Watch that guy. Just Google him, watch highlights of him, and you will be amazed. You got Calvin Harris batting 4542. Reagan Borford batting 407. Tim Elko's got seven bombs on the year. My goodness. Uh, Kevin Graham, four bombs on the year. TJ McCants, three bombs on the year. Peyton Chattinger with three bombs on the year. I mean, these guys bat for average. They hit bombs. And they steal bases. TJ McCants has got four stolen bags, and Peyton Chattinger's got four stolen bags as well. And on the pitching end, it's just as impressive. John Gaddis, 142 batting average with 19 Ks. Derek Diamond, 386 um, ERA. Um, and 22 Ks. That's 1.42 ERA for John Gaddis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No Shohei Otanes on this team, but they don't need Shohei Otani because. They got guys, they got position players, they're making it happen, they're doing their job. It's going to be interesting once they inevitably start facing the teams, the LSUs of the world, the Arkansas of the world, but for now, they're getting the job done. They only have two losses, and that's why they're number one, number one in our hearts. So uh, it's a good spot to be in because it's a lot harder to fall out of relevancy when you're all the way at the top and speaking of near the top we go to the number three spot skipping over texas going all the way to arkansas arkansas was the pre-rate number one team but they've slipped pre-rate number two team shall i say and they've slipped a little bit but uh they were pretty much flawless in these last few days and they were flawless because they beat up on a little team called Illinois Chicago. Yes, they beat them 12 10-1, Almost lost it on that last Sunday's game, but but alas, you know, they still eked out a win. They are 11-3 on the year, and just as impressive. Michael Turner batting 404. Three bombs on the year. Uh, you got Chris Lanzilli batting 348. Caden Wallace batting 339. Uh, you got Braden Slavens got three bombs on the year. Caden Wallace, Mr. Speed Demon on the bags. Uh, and pitching wise, they got several good arms. These are some decent starters. Connor Nolan, an impressive 31 Ks on the year, 352 ERA. Hagen Smith, with an even better 266 ERA, 25 Ks on the year. Jackson Wiggins, 436 ERA with 21 Ks on the year. So, I mean, you got your 1-2-3 punch, decent ERAs, striking out a lot of people, more so than a lot of other teams. And, you know, especially in the college game, you can if you can get those strikeouts up, you're really helping out because with the metal bats... If they connect, it's going, going, gone. So, I mean, you got you to gotta get them out the old-fashioned way. <laughs> so, uh, Arkansas... Yeah, the pitching is what makes the <laughs> difference in terms of separating the Omaha contenders from the pretenders. Uh, <laughs> you, yes. certainly, you certainly need to be able to hit, but, like, you can't just only be hitting. Like, you've really got to bring the heat out on the mound, too. If you bring those two things together... Uh, you're not just a favorite for your conference. You're a, your favorite ultimately to go deep into the postseason and uh, make that ever so special trip out to Omaha. Oh yes, uh, pitching, p- 
pitching wins championships when it comes to college. And speaking of pitching, we're moving on to the number four ranked team, Vanderbilt, a team that is known for their pitching. And it was no exception this past weekend, beating up on Wagner. Ah, poor, poor old Wagner. They beat them 12-7, 13-zip, and 15-5, respectively, over the weekend. And boy, oh boy, was it a bloodbath. <laughs> this, this team also has the complete package. They got Davis Diaz batting 459, Matthew Polk 444, Dominic Keegan batting 442. Uh, you got Take Kalmick with four bombs on the year, as well as Dominic Keegan with four bombs on the year. And then Enrique Bradfield Jr. This guy, when he you bet you better hope he not doesn't get on base because this guy has an impressive 11 stolen bases on the year 11 that is an outlier ladies and gentlemen this guy he makes stuff happen he gets in scoring position and then you have these guys you got five guys batting over 400 you put any of these guys beneath him they're gonna knock him in that's why they're scoring as much as they are i mean and then they're i talked about pitching guys they're starting three is very impressive. All sub three ERAs, high K rates. Patrick Riley, 1.10 ERA, 25 Ks on the year. Chris McElvain, 2.33 ERA with 30 Ks on the year. And Carter Holton, 2.74 with 35 Ks on the year. Gee whiz. I mean, this that's the one, two, three punch. And i their pitching is dialing in. And I fully expect them to just stay up here in the top five. I think even when they go into conference play, this team is built to last. And, I mean, they made it all the way last year. You know, you can say NC State was robbed, but Vanderbilt, you know, they were a worthy opponent. And, you know, they're probably in Omaha. Uh, you can log them in from overhaul Omaha unless something really bad goes down. Maybe... <laughs> Let's hope none of their pitchers need Tommy John because they need to keep this this train going. <laughs> so uh, good for you, Vanderbilt. Moving on to the number seven team, the nation, Tennessee. This team, they have been just chugging, 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 chugging their way to a 15-1 and record, everybody. Their only loss was to Texas, but they, they got embarrassed, but they turned around and they said, we're going to take care of business. Beating up on James Madison, 9-8 and 10-2, respectively. And then, staying at home, playing against Rhode Island. Beating them 17-4, 8-3, and 12-3, respectively. This team started off in the, in the little in the bottom part of the top 25, but they are just blowing everybody away because they are now in the top 10 with all the big boys. Jared Dickey with a 5'11 batting average and five bombs on the year. Drew Gilbert, 500 batting average. You got Trey Lim Limpscomb, 414 batting average and six bombs on the year. Christian Morris got five bombs on the year, batting 405. I mean, this is a lot of bombs by a lot of people right there. Seth Stevenson's also got six stolen bags on the year. And then when you go down to their pitching... Chase Burns, oh, Chase Burns, a 0 0.45 ERA. Their ace is oh so hot, 25 Ks on the year. You got Drew Beam, bat, 
pitching a 1.59 ERA with 16 Ks on the year. Not as many Ks, but hey, he gets the job done. He's a ground out machine. And then Chase Stolander, 3.79 ERA with 37 Ks on the year. That's the theme with these teams in the top. They got pitchers who cannot give up runs and throw Ks. It's a common theme with the big boys in the SEC. That's how they do it. So for some teams, it comes down to their pitching. For other teams, it comes down to the offense. It's just like, hey, we're going to fan guys out. Can you hit the bombs? You know, <laughs> it takes two, you know, <laughs> to tango. So uh, good job, Tennessee. Moving on down to Florida. This team, they've been hanging in there. Um, you know, they're in the top 10 as well fighting their way up into top 10, and they got an impressive 13-4 record. Uh, you know, this weekend they got a loss on Sunday to Seton Hall, but not before uh, winning every other game for the past week. They beat up on Jacksonville one to nothing. Wednesday's game was postponed due to weather, and then they go on over to face Seton Hall, beating them 16-4 and 11-9 on Saturday's doubleheader, but then they did lose 6-4, so... I guess you can't win them all. But despite that, Florida is no shabby team by any stretch. You got Renee Lastris batting 444. You got Colby Halter batting 391 with four bombs on the year. Judd Fabian, six bombs on the year. Sterling Thompson's got five bombs on the year. I mean, very good, you know, solid numbers there. But then they're pitching. This is a team in which their pitching is just outperforming the day. They're, they ain't giving up a lot of runs. They got four guys, three guys with sub-two ERAs, and you have one who's barely above two. Blake Purnell, 0.00 ERA. Blankety blanks, whole way through, 16 Ks. Nick Farcarota, full 1.42 ERA with 22 Ks on the year. Hunter Barco, 1.93 ERA, 34 Ks on the year, and then Brandon Sprout, 2.11 ERA with 26 Ks on the year. So in Florida's case, their pitching is shining. Their pitching is excelling. They have four weapons. Some teams don't even have two. Some teams barely have three. This team, they got four weapons, low ERAs, and a whole lot of Ks. For this team... Can their offense deliver? Now, it's impressive. They got guys batting up or 300s. You got guys hitting many bombs. But um, it's just it's just going to be consistency with any of these teams. It's just like sometimes the bats get hot, sometimes the bats get cold. But pitching's got to win the day through and through. It's just can they stay consistent while the bats are hot and the bats are cold? So... We'll see. Moving on down to LSU. The Tigers, baby. They are the number 13 team in the nation with a 13-3 record. Um, over the weekend, they experienced some losses than the previous weekend, but this week they took care of business. Uh, McNeese, no match for them. They beat them 6-3. And then, I mean, they're going to play a team called Bethune-Cookman. Bethune Cookman. They beat up on them eight to seven, five to one, and fifteen to zero all over the weekend. Extremely impressive. Uh, man, you learn about so many weird teams. 
Bethune Cookman. Don't don't disrespect (laughs) Bethune Cookman. They are a. uh, (laughs) They they are uh, one of many HBCUs, and they are they have a very uh, very rap- rapid fan base. So uh, hey rapid there. fan base that is. So uh, they, uh, hey. they they love their uh, love their teams. So uh, yes, hey, you know you gotta you, these teams they gotta get their uh, they gotta get their experience. They gotta get uh, get games yes. in and stuff heading into conference play. So you know that Bethune Cookman knows they're gonna go in. It's gonna be a challenge going up against the Tigers, <laughs> but it's gonna be a good oh, opportunity yeah. to learn and. Uh, Get experience heading into conference play. Yeah, Bethune Cookman, five ten on the year. They got a long way to go, but good experience from the whole way around because LSU is no slouch. They, on just like all of these other top SEC teams, have got some playmakers. Dylan Cruz, a four oh six batting average, four bombs on the year. Jacob Berry with eight bombs on the year, eight bombs. Man, you know. That guy's getting all the ladies with the bombs. Giovanni DiGiacomo uh, Di, Di butchered that the whole way through. He's bad at 400. The, no doubt or way. Good for you, Giovanni. You stay above 400. Cade Doty, 393 batting average with six bombs on the year and three stolen bags. My goodness. Very impressive. And when it comes to pitching, you got your one-two punch. And... Who else? Who's their ace? Who have I been talking about this whole time? He's Mr. Money. Blake Money. 1.80 ERA with 29 Ks on the year. And coming up in the rear, Ty Flood. 2.7 ERAs and 25 Ks. So you get your one-two punch. You got guys batting for average, hitting a ton of bombs. Uh, just gotta, gotta get to see some more playmakers come up. Um, you know, it's just... The pitching of Vanderbilt, Florida, and even Tennessee is outperforming them. So when it comes to interconference play, which pitching staff's going to show up? You know, who's which starters are going to have a good day? I mean, that's going to be a good – it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good question to ask. My penultimate team for the SEC is Georgia. They ourselves are the number 20 team in the nation, kind of hanging in there. They're 14-3 and three on the year. Uh, you know, they got they had one loss to Georgia Southern, a, a huge upset, if I will say so myself. 13-5, to five, they got beaten up by them. My goodness. Uh, the little brother beat up on the older brother, but – on Wednesday, the older brother, Georgia, beat Georgia Southern 5-1. to one, And then they go all the way back to home and beat up on Lipscomb. 8-3, 9-2, and 9-5, respectively. Georgia. I mean, this team's hanging in there. Haven't really... They've kind of stayed in the bottom part of the top 25. You got Dylan Taylor batting 500. Ben Anderson, 375. Got Corey Collins, six bombs on the year. Van Anderson's got three bombs on the year as well and three stolen bags. You know, not too shabby. And then when it comes to pitching, you got a guy who's got a cannon of an arm, Jonathan Cannon, 2.39 ERA with 28 Ks on the year. So, uh, Jaden Woods has got 22 Ks on the years as well. Um, and really, I'm a little worried about this team. Uh, just don't know how they're going to fare for in their conference play. I just don't think that the numbers are as impressive. And I mean, all these top SEC teams are stacked, so we'll see. I th- I think maybe they have enough to stick it in, but conference play is coming up, and this team better hope that they can survive because <laughs> if they don't 
elevate their game really on all fronts, then it's bye, bye, bye. You know, you always have football. <laughs> so, and then finally, my ultimate team for the SEC in the top 25, at least Mississippi state, the defending champs, they have fallen far from grace. The number 23 team in the nation, they have an 11 and seven record. Uh, they did split the series against Texas tech. They won 11 to five, but then they lost seven to two all on the South side of Mississippi, Biloxi, a very cool town there on the coast. Uh, I guess, I guess tech was pouring and scoring on the first day. And then Mississippi state's like, yeah, so they were pouring and scoring. And then once they came around and, they they got beat so it was a wash but then they go on down back on over to mississippi state land starkville to stark vegas stark vegas that's right gambling going on there i guess i mean what else are they gonna do and they beat up on the nerds of the world princeton they get their morale up and they beat them 11 to 2 Three to two and nine to one, respectively. Mississippi State. They've had a few losses. Granted, Long Beach State and Tech coming up. Those are three of the of the losses. But I mean, you know, you still got guys who are pretty rock solid. Jess Davis batting four forty four. Uh, Drew McGowan batting three seventy five. Got Hunter Hines with five K five bombs and Callum Clark with five bombs as well. And on the pitching end, you got Cade Smith. Pitching a 2.05 ERA with 23 Ks on the year. Preston Johnson, 282 ERA with 33 Ks on the year. And Parker Stinnett's got three wins on the year and 36 Ks. So, pretty solid. Uh, I would say that's definitely better than most pitching. It's definitely better than Georgia and probably even better than LSU's pitching. But as far as batting, it's just... It's just... that Again, the teams at the top, they got it all. And they got guys batting over 400. They got guys hitting many, many bombs. So Mississippi State, I don't know what you guys are going to do, but whatever you're doing, you got to do it better. <laughs> so come on. <laughs> Let's yeah. I, man, I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the matchups at the end. But I mean, it's yeah, I don't want to spoil it, <laughs> but it's, it's going to get interesting for uh, for Mississippi State and, uh, and another team that you just talked about uh, very soon uh, this weekend. Yeah. It is going to be interesting for sure. Uh, kind of wrapping up some honorable mentions for the SEC. Uh, you got Auburn. You know, they're hanging in. 13-4 record. Pretty good. Pretty solid. Texas A&M's 10-5. You know, they're kind of far down in the, in, the, in, the, in the West. Kentucky starting to actually lose a few games, although they're on a three-game win streak. Uh, and then, of course, South Carolina. You know I mean, they had to go in. They had to spoil it all for Texas on that Saturday, but not, uh, but then of course, afterwards they lose the other two, but Hey, if you can get one on the top dog, you're a good team in my book. Auburn's interesting because they're one of these teams that can sneak their way into the top 25. I mean, they lost the weekend series against middle Tennessee, but they are facing Ole Miss this, uh, this weekend. So, and that's going to be a good series. So spoiler alert, but it's going to be a good challenge for them. If they can get one win, even two wins, they might sneak their way into the top 25. So, and with that, that wraps up our, um, 
recaps of Big 12 and SEC play. That is part one of our college baseball recaps this week. Be sure to subscribe to No Doubter wherever you're listening to this episode so you don't miss out on our other recaps. We've got all the other conferences. We've got the the breakdowns of the weekend's matchups. So college baseball, tune in. You know, we got you covered. So see you then. This episode of No Doubter was produced by Eric Bostick and Travis Lockley and edited by Travis Bostick. Our logo was designed by Lindsay Silbert. 